0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank.
1: Coming up, the latest
0: episode of Three Mod. Hello and welcome to another edition of 3Maw. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young and Cole Manbeck. And today, we look ahead to a, a tricky game, trap game perhaps, K-State against Troy the week before they head to Mizzou in non-conference play. As always, our show is brought to you by our friends at Holiday Distillery. I'm sure a lot of you enjoyed some 360 vodka, some Ben Holiday bottled and von bourbon. At your first tailgate, uh, there's still plenty of time to get stocked up for an early one. So, hey, maybe that means you're, you're going the 360 vodka route for some Bloody Marys, uh, something like that, you know? 11 a.m. kickoff means like a 7 a.m. tailgate. So make sure you've got that. But I'm sure you bourbon drinkers, you're, you're cool with just the Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond bourbon as well, even if it is going to be at 8 o'clock in the morning. Who cares? It's football. Uh, make sure you get stocked up. Support Great K-State folks who support us. And maybe... Buy a little bit extra 360 vodka or probably Ben Holiday bottled in bond bourbon. I would say to do that so that when you see Cole Manbeck out there at the game, you can give him a nice little birthday drink because uh, a little birdie told me that this is Cole's 37th birthday today. So uh, we all need to raise our glasses here. Uh, this has not been holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon, but a nice little, nice little birthday cheers. D Y's got his coffee mug, uh, a little birthday cheer
2: to uh, the cold Amex. So happy, happy birthday, Cole! Let's do shots. So uh, you should have just blared. You should have blared shots there by uh, with the song, John. Uh, yeah. it, you need to, you need to find your friend from the uh, Oklahoma watch party in order to
0: do
3: that. Oh
2: God, Ugh. makes me want to vomit just thinking about drinking that again. So.
3: Hey, that was our tagline of the year, though. So.
2: That's how the line college football uh, runs through Manhattan. That's how it was birthed. So uh, <laughs> yeah. thanks to that tequila at the end of uh, the game from the, just, just the dude. Shots of McCormick's tequila or whatever is it? Oh, I God. think that's vodka, John. But, uh, yeah, still same same type of taste. Um,
3: it was so it was you know. actually shots of uh, Ben Holiday bottled in Bumper. That's you know. what it was.
2: No, it definitely wasn't because I, I'm talking bad about it. I would have loved that a lot more than what I had. So, yeah. thank you. I would have appreciated if you didn't reveal my age. But uh.
0: well, you've got you've got your better half to blame for that. She gave me that information. So, uh, well, all right. Onward we go to Troy. All right. All right. Well, uh, on that note, we do have uh, some K State football to talk about. I mentioned like that this is. A potential trap game here i to me that is you know as we go into headlines I, I feel like that is the first headline here is how they handle this because whether or not i mean they can say all the right things and i believe them i'm sure there were questions i'd have to go back to like the press conferences leading up to the tulane game last year but i'm sure there were some similar questions there about like hey you guys had the arkansas state game a couple of years ago where you lose in 2020 does that serve as a reminder here to not take anybody lightly Matt Tulane wound up being a Cotton Bowl champ. That was, a, that was a very good team, and that was a part of it. But they have lost, Chris Kleinman as three times to group of five opponents. He has lost to Navy in the 2019 Liberty Bowl. They lose to Arkansas State in 2020. And then they lose uh, last year to Tulane. So it's been this group of five that has been the bug of it. They've been great against Power 5 non-con opponents. They've been great against FCS non-con opponents. They have not been good against group of five opponents here. And Troy is a 12-win team from last year, so I just... Uh, to me, that has to be the prevailing storyline as, as we head into this game.
3: It is, and historically, this has been a trap game for Kansas State, and it would be on anyone's schedule, I think, the way that it's positioned, you know, considering what Troy did a year ago. But for this specific Kansas State team and for this specific Troy team, I'm just not there. I, I think Troy is overrated. I think they're worse than last year, and I think they were fortunate to have the record that they did last year. And I think this Kansas State team has just grown up uh, mature and has kind of learned from those experiences at this point. Now, I'm not saying this Kansas State team's better than last year's team. I'm not there yet personally, but I think that they can be better than last year's team in terms of how they approach this specific game.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, as I think about it, guys, I just kind of want to get out of there with that, you know, talk about the group, group of five losses because – you know, you, I made sure not to throw my pen that was given to me by Brett Yormark at the Big 12 Media Days. That's a nicer pen. I just threw a traditional dick there if you were watching on YouTube. Uh, I, I don't I don't really think this is actually that big of a problem, all right? Tulane finished ranked number nine in the country as a 12-2 and two team last year. Navy was a top-20 team in the bowl game that finished with 11 wins as well, and you know playing a military school is very tricky, especially in bowl games when you don't prep for that type of style of play. It's so unique. So I kind of just, you know, they played two really good teams. One had a really unique style, and then the other one was the COVID season of Arkansas State when everything was out of whack. So I don't necessarily view it as some sort of um, trend necessarily. I, I think Troy is a good team. Now, could Troy be... What Tulane was last year, I, I don't think so. I think they're going to take a step back to what D.Y. said earlier. I mean, they've won six games by seven points or less last year. I think the the luck factor is going to go their way a little bit against them this year. They're probably a nine-win type team. So I don't think they're at Tulane or Navy's level. And as a result, I think K-State will handle this game. And I, I just I don't think it's a problem for Chris Kleiman necessarily. Now, if they lose this game to Troy, heaven forbid, then I, I do think it's a trend that uh, needs looked at, but otherwise, I just think they, they played a couple really good teams and had some out of whack circumstances in the COVID season with Arkansas State.
0: I feel like, yeah, I mean, look, I, I want to believe that, and I think this team, you would have every reason to believe that they last year, for instance, going into the Tulane game, we had a lot of concerns. Like I remember doing that show and being like, man, they couldn't pass the ball at all. Like the offense seemed pretty out of sync. Um, there was a lot to be concerned about. There, there's not as much this year heading into the game they have all that awareness etc cetera, etc cetera. but like i know i mean troy i think cooper Beebe said it in the interviews i was listening to yesterday well somebody did like if not for a hail mary loss last year they would have won 13 games last season like yeah. i mean and they did have a guy pop for almost 250 yards rushing in the opener i know that it wasn't it was a little bit sloppy their head coach said as much uh beating stephen f austin but i don't know i mean they played at Ole miss last year they're not going to be intimidated by the environment
2: i I'm just going to be the guy that's going to stand up and
0: respect Troy here on the show because it sounds like uh, nobody else
2: is going to. Oh uh, no 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 no! I'm going to respect Troy. I mean, that's a football program under Neil Brown. 2016, 2018, went 31 and seven. They wanted LSU a few years ago as well, and they're the defending Sun Belt champs and the preseason pick to win their division in the Sun and they're still by the advanced metrics and analytics the best team in the Sunbelt Conference, and last year's Sunbelt was probably the best the Sunbelt's ever been. Seven teams made bowl games. They beat four Power Five opponents in the non-con. And so, yeah, I I respect Troy. I just think they are going to take a little bit of a step back based off what they lost.
3: It's not a requirement to respect Troy, right? Because I don't. Wow. Well, (laughs) (laughs) why? Come on. I don't like wonderful. that. I, I, you guys know this. I've been down on them all off season. I think everyone has that group of five paranoia because of what has happened three different times by Chris Kleiman at Kansas State and what Troy did last year. But they're worse than they were last year. And yes, you could say they were a uh, hail mary away from winning thirteen games, or I could say they were like ten points away from winning only eight or nine. So like I, I'm just not there on Troy. And to be honest, I thought my opinion of them was reinforced in week one because it was like the inverse of what they were last year, too. Last year, a very defensive-minded football team that uh, that's the way they won, struggled to score. Now I know they're playing that rapid-fire incarnate word offense that's now... Uh, no, they, they didn't do that. They played Stephen F. Austin. So they gave up 30 points to Stephen F. Austin, uh, but scoring 48, like I said, that was the inverse of last year. And if they're a defense... Has taken that much of a step back? Like it wouldn't shock me if they only won seven, eight games.
4: I,
2: I I will say I don't, and we'll talk more about this in the defense offense preview. I don't think their defense has taken much of a step back. They gave up 4.1 yards per play in that game. There were four turnovers by the Troy offense and special teams. There was a fumble return for a touchdown. They fumbled the ball inside their own 25 yard line to set Stephen F Austin up for another field goal, and then they muffed a punt and fumbled again. They had three fumbles lost in the game, so I think it was almost. The, the defense was fine for them probably still too many points for a steven f austin team that's picked fourth in the united athletic conference in the preseason poll and went six and five last year but lost two-time conference preseason player of the year um self i think for them so Stephen f austin's not a great team and they gave up yeah, they still only won 48 to 30 but that i mean that's
3: fair but that that's stuff that they didn't do last year so that still proves my point that and then we—if you're going to—you you could also say on the flip side that them scoring 48 was a freaking, you know, fluke as well because they had short field after short field too and stuff like that. So.
2: Well, they did have a pick six in that game by maybe the best corner in the Sun Belt on their team. So we'll talk more in depth about breaking down Troy offensive and defensively later on in the show. With Dy, all I have to say is there—there's a Troy fan that has been very active on Twitter.
0: He he got to the point where he pulled the old cat train intro video from the 2003 mm-hmm. k State Troy game. So, I'm if this clip, if that clip of you saying "I do not respect Troy" winds up getting us burned on Twitter, I'm just saying right now, I will not be a happy camper because this Troy fan has been out there scouring the internet for every. He-
3: <laughs> well, I, I hope uh, that uh, Tucker or Nick or whoever uh, edits this doesn't put that flip on twitter
2: oh my god he's they're they're gonna put out their own video that guy is exactly. like their uh their train of troy um running through a helmet with dy's picture on it at the end so <laughs> it would actually be
0: fun to see the whole the old cat train videos but just with derek's face on a helmet yeah okay uh well let's hope that, the, that that doesn't come back to uh to burn us next week is the week for all the trash talk right Next, see, D.Y., here's the other thing. Next week is the week where, like, everything I've said for the last year is going to come up on, on Twitter the week of the game because of Pazoo fans. So, you know, we gotta we got to caution ourselves a little bit here. Um, headline two, I, I kind of just, this to me is a, a little more of a catch-all of just some personnel things, but if it is going to be a game where it's an opponent that deserves zero respect, uh, it is a, another chance to get a little bit deeper into the depth chart, play some of the younger guys again. But I will even bring up, like, the offensive line. Okay, so we had some concerns with the offensive line and how they played in in week one, particularly at the beginning of the game. John Pastore, I know, is coming back. Chris Kleiman said that that he would be back, and that could potentially provide some help on the offensive line, a redshirt freshman. Uh, you know, Carver Willis, I think we still have some question marks there. At least I, I'll speak for myself on that. You guys can speak for yourself there, too. Um but tackle is 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 a bit of a concern for me if you're not going to move Cooper Beatty out there. So I don't how much does Pastore potentially help here DY.
3: I don't know if he helps right away just because I think he might be eased back into it. I think he's missed, you know, quite a bit of time, multiple weeks it sounds like, so um maybe down the road that's another, you know, answer in terms of depth at offensive tackle, but I I don't even know if he gets if he's up to speed yet um, since the injury, to get back on the field right away, so I would imagine the offensive line from a personnel standpoint, rotation standpoint, looks similar to last week. Uh, that's what I anticipate.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Pastoria and D. Y. and I, and all of us think that he has an incredibly bright future, and one of my favorite recruits, and in, in last year's recruiting class in the 2022 class, redshirted last year, just physical specimen. And I, I think if he wasn't banged up, D.Y., he might be starting right now at right tackle in place of Christian Duffy, who's out with the injury. Uh, I, I will say about Carver Willis, I mean, there has been some praise about him over the last year or so, but he still hasn't gotten a ton of game reps. So hopefully, I, I think this was his first true start since really, what, the COVID season, D.Y.? Or did he did he start during the COVID season? I felt like he started a game a couple of years ago, didn't he? Oh, He played it
3: quite a bit in 2020 out of necessity. I don't know if any of those
2: permeated as a start. Yeah, so he was really, really young then, and that was a wacky season. So not a ton of reps yet in game. So hopefully from week one to week two, he takes some steps. But if he if he does struggle, and then there's probably no doubt in my mind that they move Cooper Beebe back out to right tackle and Taylor Portier, Adley Panzer, man guard, and they rotate in Andrew Langang um, at the guard position too. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, this
0: kind of feels like the last game to tinker with things as much as they have. I know they're always going to rotate guys to an extent, but this would be a week where you need to figure out, like, hey, if if Christian Duffy can't go at Mizzou, we're going to have to have Cooper Beebe out of tackle, right? I mean, that, that's how I would view it. I have no idea how Connor Riley's actually approaching it. I, am I am I totally off there?
3: Though I mean, this is a, another evaluation, um to find out what you're going to do at right tackle, so I think I agree with you on that front. But because we're like, how how optimistic are we
0: about Duffy being back next week?
3: I I, I think there's a chance. I think that was always the target date, so we'll see if it unfolds that way. So, I, but be, there just hasn't been a lot of chatter about that. But I, hey, Stan Weber, color commentator for <laughs> K State Learfield, said that uh, that what was that a catbacker function in Oakland Park? He'll be back for the Missouri game. Uh, you're right, you're right, I do remember it, yes
0: you remember hearing that, so yeah, I mean hopefully, hopefully that, that will happen and maybe all of this will be moved, but that, that to me is like one of the concerns um, the other thing and we'll we'll take a break here, I'll let you guys sit on this one, i mean, I still lump this in with, with headline number two but we touched on it just briefly, whether or not Avery Johnson becomes somebody that they can work in with the outcome of the game is not in doubt uh, I do wonder aloud if if they would try and do anything like that this week, if they hold on to it, uh, we will discuss that after I tell you about the great home field apparel that, of course, you hear about all the time. But if you are a K-State fan, you need to get in your home field apparel gear right now. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Uh, make sure you check out their huge selection of K-State stuff. Really soft, incredibly comfortable clothing. And they've got all the old retro logos. Whatever you want. You want Cocaine Willie? They've got it. You want Pennant Willie? The, they've got it. You want cat script Basketball? They've got it. Uh, so make sure you go check out the great selection of K-State stuff they have there. And we even have the hookup for you. Your friends at 3Maw, give you this code 3Maw23. And we'll get you 15% off your first order if you have not gotten anything from Home Field Apparel. But uh, trust me, it is, it is what you need to be wearing. We are, we are helping you out with that. So homefieldapparel.com, check it out. They've also got 100-plus other teams if you want to branch out beyond just K-State. And they are all really, really awesome, high-quality, high-quality stuff. All right, we're back in just a second.
1: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the App Store, or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
4: What's good, everybody? It is Ben Heisler from Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And if you are ready to go the distance and improve your golf game like I am in the process of doing, I want you to head on over to PXG right here in Kansas City and take the PXG Gen 6 Driver Challenge. They are confident in the Gen 6 that they're putting their money where their mouth is. If their Gen 6 driver does not deliver more distance, more carry and roll, higher dispersion compared to your current driver when you go in for a fitting, they got you covered with a $100 MasterCard reward card. That's it. Go in for a driver fitting. See if your driver is up to their driver. And if it is, you get a $100 MasterCard reward card in the process. This is an unbelievable opportunity to upgrade your game with a custom fit PXG fitting. I've had it at the Kansas City store with Alex. It was one of the great experiences I've had in a golf fitting period. So take the PXG Gen 6 driver all throughout the month of August and get ready to hit those fairways with confidence. So visit your local Kansas City store or head on over to PXG.com for all the terms and conditions. PXG
5: Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com.
5: This
1: episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild.
0: So you've got time to think about it now. Uh, Do they? Do they try to venture into any sort of working Avery Johnson in, in some package? And I know some people... Especially like this Bill Snyder mentality, I think would be like, well, why would you do that in a game against Troy? But my thought here is I uh, give it a little bit of a test run here if you're going to actually try and use it at Mizzou and on beyond, or am I too far ahead of myself into uh, Avery Johnson high plan?
3: Personally, I-, I think you might be too far along those lines. That's what I will say. But it- but Colin Klein is, I mean, he threw... He threw a freaking like- ass with Trayshawn Moore to Will Howard against Yeah, so Colin
0: Klein...
3: If Colin Klein has the autonomy, um, I could see it. Just, I think he wants to maybe expand everything that Missouri has to look at in week three. I tend to think that's his philosophy. So you're probably right. But I guess my better instincts, worse instincts, says we'll just see Avery Johnson at the end of the game if the outcome is not in doubt.
2: I think if they're up by like, say, 14 in the first half. I could see them throw a series out there with Avery um, just to give them a look. Now, here's the thing. We talked about Carver-Willis and the offensive line up front, too, and we'll dive more into this in the Troy preview, but this is a defensive line that's one of the more talented ones that K-State's going to play. They return two first-team all-sunbelt guys uh, up front, and then one of their other edge rushers is second-team all-sunbelt. They combined for 33 tackles for loss and 20 sacks last year. Those guys are all back up front for this Troy defense. So they're going to they're gonna bring the pressure at K-State. And so it would be a nice test for an Avery Johnson to go up against a defense like that. Uh, but at the same time, you obviously don't want to take chances, have a turnover, and, and change the flow of the game as a result. I, I think they should try to work him in in the middle of the game at some point and just give it a try. And I think Colin Klein probably will at some point in this game. I will
3: say, and this is from uh, Drew's notes on players watch, if one of those defensive linemen that you're talking about is TJ Jackson, he is suspended indefinitely at the
2: moment. Didn't know that. Thank you. We'll scratch him from the uh the list. That uh that's poor preparation for my part as I researched uh the Troy Archives last night. I mean, he's a he's a first team guy. He did not play last week and they indefinitely could
3: mean his suspension is over tomorrow, too. So don't so who knows, but he is suspended indefinitely at the moment.
2: That's a guy that had 14 and a half tackles for loss last year and eight sacks.
0: Uh, Derek, one thing I picked up from Kleiman, when he was asked about the backup quarterback situation, he kind of said, well, hey, like Jake Rubley had been hurt, uh, had missed some time, had been banged up lately. I mean, I I felt like, based on what we saw on Saturday, it felt like a lot of this was kind of posturing a little bit and, you know, trying to give some level of deference to Jake Rubley listing him as an oar on the depth chart when really they just played Avery Johnson. I Is this more of the same, or is there some reason that we should take that more at face value and be like, oh, maybe that is different, and they would go Jake Rubley as the second quarterback to play?
3: I, I take it as a little bit of cover for Jake Rubley. Now, if it's another uh, decisive lead for Kinsey at the end of the game, maybe they give Rubley a possession in addition to what they give Avery Johnson. But they kept saying we threw, I mean, I think this was Chris Kleiman's words on Tuesday. We wanted to see extended action from Avery Johnson because we have to get him ready in case we have to play him this year. So I still think they're operating as if Avery Johnson is the extended QB2. Uh, now short-term QB2, I don't know. Maybe at some point if it's splitting hairs, they'll lean towards the red shirt if it's in front of them. Uh by that, I mean, don't play him five games if you can get away with him playing four.
0: Well, the final headline to me, I, 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 this is something I think we also disagree on a little bit, and I hate to be kind of negative, but I, I, I'm i concerned by what I'm hearing on the injury front. Maybe, you know, Jay Clifton, it's a bummer to lose, but that to me is more like you're kind of losing a luxury item. Look, Key and Johnson being out and then not hearing the most encouraging of things necessarily from climbing at the press conference. Like that's, that's a necessity. That is not a luxury. That is a necessity. Like this offense, if they need, if they're going to get where they need to go this year, want to go, which is back to the big 12 championship game and potentially beyond. I mean, they need Keegan Johnson healthy and soft tissue injury was, if you go read up on Iowa, it was like, you know, we had this soft tissue injury that bothered them all of 2022 and now he comes in here, he's a late scratch from game one, and Kleiman was still, you know, saying he's limited to practice and not totally sure about this Saturday at the press conference yesterday. I don't – put me officially in the camp of being worried about what this is going to be. Not just – I mean, I'm not saying, like, hey, the Troy game is what freaks me out here. It's like, is this going to – t- will this be a thing throughout the year for a guy that K-State desperately needs as the home run hitter of the offense?
3: I mean, that's fair. Uh And who knows if if the way it's being portrayed is accurate. You know, kind of maybe playing coy here as well. It continues to be described to me by multiple folks as, uh, you know, not a long-term issue, not a severe issue, More, they're doing this as a precautionary measure because they don't want it to turn into the Iowa situation. Um, Obviously, all of us will probably have more of a sigh of relief if we see him out there week two against Troy. And I will say, like, just me thinking out loud here, I, I do think that it is much better for him to get his feet wet against Troy, especially since he hasn't played in a Kansas State game yet than against Missouri. I would I would like, even if it's 10, 12 snaps, I, I think I would like him to get out there, um, get a feel for the pace, get a feel for the system in when the live bullets are flying rather than have that be for the Missouri game.
2: I agree. I think we all, John and I are probably on the same page a little bit, that you do have a little bit of concern that he missed most of last year at Iowa. Now, part of that, it sounds like, was just at the point halfway through the season, he just didn't want to lose his redshirt year, and once he realized where that Iowa season was going and coming back from the injury. But anytime you have a soft tissue injury, especially on a guy that relies so heavily on his legs and explosion. That's what concerns me. I mean, K-State is relying on him to be their vertical big play wide receiver. And they need him to stretch defenses and keep them honest. He's that guy that brings that to the table. And just anytime you you hear some sort of strain or tightness in the soft tissue in the leg, you get a little bit worried. And is that going to linger throughout the entirety of the season? Hopefully it doesn't. and, And it's a moot point as we go on and we see him against Troy and he looks just fine. And then it's good to go the rest of the year. Um, and I will say, like it's not like it's a poll or anything, so that that is encouraging. It's like GY said, it's just cautionary that they've held him out, but you just hope it's something that does not linger long term because Keegan Johnson might be the the most important piece to what this offense needs to get to that level of success and get to the Big Twelve Championship.
0: Jake Clifton. Um, what what's the outlook there, Derek? And how much does that affect the the linebacker rotation? When he was a guy that was effectively able to back up everybody,
3: They coach Chris Kleiman called him doubtful, said a long shot to play this week. You know, I, I would I would not expect him to to be on the field this week. I think it'll be more than one game. Um, again, not another extremely long term issue either. Uh, but you called him a luxury item, and technically that's probably accurate, just because. He isn't a frontline starter at the linebacker position, but I think he might be one of the more valuable players on the defense because he may be the primary reserve at all three uh, linebacker spots.
2: You're talking about turning it over if heaven forbid something happened to Daniel Green, and then you're talking about turning it over to Austin Romaine at middle linebacker, who by all accounts, I mean, I thought he looked great in the game against Semo, but he's a true freshman as kind of the ringleader of that defense. Middle linebacker is so important to a defense and commanding and being that leader. Uh, that that is a tough situation. So you got to keep Daniel Green healthy now because Jake Clifton was your most versatile linebacker, like Dy said, that could play every spot on the defense. Incredibly smart, intelligent, very athletic, quick, flies around on the football field. So it's a loss. I mean, there's no count. They're going to have to rely on some of the younger guys to step up. And it is a position that you have quality depth. But you know, he was that guy at middle linebacker that was kind of your number two. And you know, Daniel Green had been nicked up, so. Now you don't have Clifton for probably at least a couple, three games, maybe. Uh, it, it's gonna hurt. Now I think they have enough guys to shore it up, and then they'll get him back probably at some point early in Big Twelve play. But yeah, no, there's no doubt that that's a, a significant missing piece that they're gonna they're gonna have on defense. Yeah, I mean, like quality depth, they have quality depth there, but the quality depth is
0: all is like all very young. Yeah, I mean, just very very young. So you get you get real young, real fast if you're gonna start. And, and as you mentioned, Cole, I think it's fair to bring up. Again, I hate to feel like I'm always the injury guy. But, like, you know, Daniel Green has, has a history of nagging injuries and being things that have, have really hurt him, which is a part of the reason why he's even here uh, this year playing once again. So, uh, yeah, got to watch out for that. You definitely uh, need to watch out for that. All right, we're going to get to uh, our Troy preview here in just a moment. Do want to uh, remind you that we have uh, an interview coming out in the feed with our guy Uso, Uso Sayamalo. Really looking forward to uh to that. So make sure that you check that out. He obviously had a nice game and just uh eleven staffs, limited amount of time, but he made uh he made a huge impact. And I think his his personality, just the way he plays on the field, is going to be uh really fun and, and make fans gravitate towards him. Uh, kind of reminds me of uh Mario Fadafei, Cole. Mario Fatafehi vibes. It's say.
2: a great it's a great comp, John. I, I thought about Mario Fadafei when I watch Uso play. I think Uso's even a little bit bigger. Than than Fatafe he was, but yeah, no great cop. Yeah, all right. So looking forward to hearing that. And
0: if you want to hear from the voice of the Wildcats, uh, Wyatt Thompson, he sat down with Cole and Derek for an interview on our Patreon page, which is just chock full of uh, bonus content right now. Brand new and improved Discord server that's up there. If you want to be able to chat with not only the folks in our Patreon community but all of us here on the show, you can do that in the Discord. We've got. All sorts of interviews coming up there. We've got some really cool interviews that are going to be coming out soon as well with uh, perhaps, you know, some famous player parents uh, can tease that out as well. So if you want to be a part of that, it's patreon.com slash Patreon.com slash Five bucks a month gets you access to all of that content, so make sure that you guys are checking that out as well. Uh, but it is football season, people. We are about to watch some NFL football. I guess depending on when you're listening to this, maybe you have already watched some NFL football, and it may be the Chiefs without Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones, and that would be a bummer. But football is still here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for Week 1, people. Uh, This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. They're hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September check the app to see what you get. Download now and use code KCSN to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for 5 bucks. That's code KCSN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPENY or text HOPENY. Uh, in Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. We've got big Ontario listenership. Void in Ontario. See DKNG.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire after seven days' issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. We're back
1: with Troy in just a moment. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. To the extent of my
0: uh, Troy research, even though I am the only one on the show that seems to respect them, has been that they won 12 games last year. They played at OBS and lost, I believe, 28-10. to 10. Yep. Um, so they, they have seen an environment that is comparable to what they are going to see on Saturday. And... Really ran the ball well uh, and had a running back get loose for almost 250 yards in uh, in Week 1 and a win over Stephen F. Austin. But I, I will let you take it away from there.
2: I think there's something to be said, John, for a team that has consistently won. We often hear that, and it, they haven't lost since September 17th and 2022. They've won 12 straight games and really could be 13 if what, for the 53-yard Hail Mary that you mentioned earlier that App State, Had on them like they they find ways to win close games too so they have a culture of winning and I I think that's significant I mean you often hear that talked about it's it's a team it's a program that has seven Sunbelt Conference Championships since 2006 John Summerall did a heck of a job in his first year as the head coach of Troy last year and route to going 12 and 2 they finished in the top 20 of the coaches and the AP poll for the first time in school history now Kelly Ford had Troy in his preseason poll ranked the number seventy-four team in his power ratings, uh, and he had K-State prior to the season as a thirteen and a half point favorite in this game with an eighty-three percent chance to win. Bill Connolly gives K-State an eighty-seven percent chance to win this game. Actually, has K-State as a nineteen point favorite and projects a score of right around thirty-five to fifteen uh, in this game. Entering the year, Connolly had Troy's ceiling as an eleven and one football team and a floor of seven and five, you gave them a twelve percent chance of finishing eleven or one or better. And Connolly also has them ranked sixty-fourth in his SP plus rankings on ESPN.com. That's the best of any Sunbelt team. And look, it's it's a Troy team that prides itself on the defensive side of the football, but the thing is, guys, they rank 118th in the country in returning defensive production last year out of 131 FBS teams. As a team overall, they rank 113th out of 131 teams in returning production at 49%. It's odd to say because they have up front on the defensive line, as we talked about earlier, they have two first-team Sunbelt guys on that D-line and then a second-team Sunbelt guy and Javon Solomon as well. Now, DY said TJ Jackson has been suspended indefinitely. If he does not play... That's a significant loss for this Troy defense because he accounted for 14 and a half tackles for loss last year and eight sacks. I mean, he's a big piece to that defense. It's a defense last year in 2022 that was 13th in the country in pass efficiency defense. They were number eight in the country in turnovers forced, 14th in sacks, 8th in scoring defense, number 10 in the country, allowing 1.49 points per drive last season. And they allowed 3.6 yards per rush, which ranked 24th nationally. They held 14 of its opponents, all 14 of their opponents, under their season scoring average, including three top 25 scoring teams in the country last year. So good defensive team, defensive line that's going to test this K-State offensive line. Mention Jackson, Richard Jabunar, uh is a really good player, and so is Jamon Solomon. Jamon Solomon's a 6'2", 249-pound DN, preseason second team pick. But as a freshman at Troy, He was preseason first, or he was Sunbelt first team, and he led the league in tackles for loss at 1.42 per game. And he ranked 12th nationally in tackles for loss per game. Uh, Had 17 tackles for loss and 11 sacks in their first 10 games of the 2021 season. Had a little bit of a down year last year on numbers, but still ranked third in the Sunbelt and QB pressure rate. And Jabuner had 11 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. He's a three time third team all Sunbelt performer, now preseason first team. This year, and then Reddy Stewart is first team preseason Sunbelt corner, probably the best corner in the Sunbelt. He had a pick six against Stephen F. Austin in the season opener, graded out as the Sunbelt's top ranked corner last season, according to Pro Football Focus, and the second rated corner in the entire group of five, according to PFF. His passer rating allowed, ranked ninth nationally, had 12 pass breakups, and as a sophomore the year prior, ranked second nationally among corners holding opponents to a 28.6% reception rate when targeted. So it's a good defense. And uh, yes, Stephen F. Austin, they had, they gave up 240 yards on 59 plays to Stephen F. Austin. That's 4.1 yards per play. So I, I, I mentioned earlier there were four turnovers by Troy, one a muff punt that that led to some of those points. Uh, but I, I still have a lot of respect for John Summerall and this defensive team that's coming in. So you get flashbacks to Tulane a little bit because Tulane was a really good defensive team, John. Well, a really good
1: defensive
0: team. And then they had Tajay Spears, who can really run the ball, right? So like, can, sounds like, sounds like that Troy ran the ball pretty well in week one. So yeah, I mean, I, Derek, go yeah. to Derek, Derek is completely unfazed, but I am, I am mildly.
2: <laughs> Derek, your thoughts on that, uh, that Troy defense? Just say, just fraud, one answer. We don't have TJ Jackson. Are we sure? Do we think TJ, I'm going to be on TJ Jackson watch? Now, suspended, suspended indefinitely.
3: <laughs> if that ends after one game, then what are we doing?
2: <laughs> this is this is a huge game for that Troy program. You know, coming into Kansas State, a, a program where college football runs through. You got to think they might lift that suspension for TJ. Um, we'll see. We'll be on, uh, we'll look out for that. On the offensive side of the football, here's, here's one thing, guys, that stood out when you look at them. This is where they struggled. Last year, Troy allowed an 11% sack rate, which meaning that every time they drop back to pass, 11% of the time their their quarterback was sacked. Ranks 126th out of 131 FBS teams. All right, so I look for Khalid Duke and Brendan Mott and Nate Matlack and Uso. I, I think they can dominate them up front and get some pressure on the quarterback. Maybe force some turnovers that way as well. It's an uh, and the year prior they were 94th in sack rate allowed at 7.7% that year. So. They have struggled to protect the passer, and we'll get into the numbers on the quarterback, Gunnar Watson, but you'll see his rushing numbers are laughable largely because of the, the sacks. It's an offense that returns 55% of their production, ranks 94th nationally. They averaged 2.1 points per drive last year, which ranked 74th in the country. They lost their three-time All-Sun Belt performer at left tackle. So talk about the sack problem, and they're losing their, their good left tackle, and their starting center was invited to the NFL Combine. Those guys are both gone. John, you mentioned Kamani Vital. He's the five foot eight, two hundred and fifteen pound junior running back. He entered the season with almost twenty four hundred rushing yards in his career, nineteen touchdowns. Preseason second team, all Sun Belt. He had 248 yards on the ground on 25 carries in the season opening win over Stephen F. Austin, an average of 10 yards per carry. He also led the team with 54 yards receiving on two catches. Troy rushed for 342 yards on 42 carries in the opener. That's 8.1 yards per carry. They were not a good rushing team, though, last year. They averaged 3.6 yards per rush, which ranked 106th of 131 FBS teams. At the quarterback position, Gunnar Watson, 6-year senior, but he threw 12 interceptions last season, and they lost a lot of guys at receiver, so they don't really scare you with their passing game, necessarily. They were 48th in pass efficiency offense last season and 20th at 8.2 yards per pass, which is is pretty solid. And he went 14 to 22 for 180, uh, 98 yards in the season opener with four TDs, one interception. This is his fourth season as a starting QB, six foot three, 210 pounder, attempted 920 passes in his career, completing 64% of them for nearly 7,000 yards. Sounds impressive, but again, yeah, the, the interceptions last year, 14 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, that's a concern. The, the two years prior, he had 24 TDs to 11 interceptions, much better in uh, combined numbers. He's not a running QB. I mentioned the sack numbers. He's never rushed for positive yards in a season in his entire career. 124 rushing attempts for negative 322 yards. His career long for a run is 11 yards in his entire time at QB.
0: Well, it's pretty good. Pretty good run down there, Derek. Does that have you any any more scared?
2: No, I,
3: I Kansas State still covers. Okay.
2: All right. What's the line, DY? What's the uh, latest line that we've got here? Is it 15 and a half? 15 and a half? It started at 15.
3: It's It's gone up to 16 a couple times. So uh, it sounds like K State's getting the money. but
2: uh, That's that DY Sharp money that's coming in on the cats because he's pushing that line up with all that. Uh, he's throwing everything at K State because he thinks You're Troy is a fraud.
3: Putting the K State online company on the line here.
2: Oh, boy.
0: Wow. <laughs> well, Maybe, maybe one of you guys can give me your uh, your gambling picks before, uh, you know, 10.50 on Saturday morning <laughs> this week, and I could actually
3: have been on the fun. On the show last week, I said, now don't take my official pick, because that did not hit Texas State Baylor under, was not even clo- remotely in the ballpark, but I did say Tweedo and Nebraska, did I not?
2: You did. Uh, and I gave John my three-star unit play. was a uh, My three-unit play was Alabama first quarter, minus seven and a half, and they covered. They, they were up 14 nothing Yeah, that did hit. Uh, all right. We're, we're not quite at lead pipe lock of the week yet, boys, so just
0: keep your own one selves uh, <laughs> calm down a little bit. Uh, we've got quick hitters first. Uh, true or false, K-State will play a game against Coach Prime's Colorado Buffaloes. True or false? That that will occur that K State will play a game against Coach Prime's Buffaloes with Colorado entering the conference next year. False. Yeah, man, come on. Like this is an easy one. That's false. Dion is gonna be so gone. I Florida has to be just sitting there like, oh my God. Like Dion's out of here saying I didn't actually graduate from Florida State. We've got this dud Billy Napier rolling out Graham Mertz. I mean, my God, did anybody look worse than Florida in week one? Um it's they they could just run Billy Napier and get Dion in there it's, right it's, away.
3: It's definitely false. If you remember too, I mean, it's if Dion if Rick one wasn't any indication, Dion's going to be very very. He already is a very very rich man, but a very very richer man after this year. And if you remember the, I think maybe not the initial press conference, but a following one, athletic director Rick George basically said we don't have the money that we've promised him yet, but we will at some point. In terms of his contract. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah.
2: Have you, fun. You, have you fun. gotta you guys gotta pump the brakes here a little bit on me. I, I I gotta I guess I gotta stop in and be the reasonable person here. All you're, right. You're you're but you're if you say true, you're
3: expecting other athletic directors to be reasonable. And I think that's silly.
2: I am saying that I, I don't think the appeal of Dion's going to be as quite as high after he goes five and seven this year and they don't make a bowl. All right. Cause Deion, getting clipped. You're going to be the Utah guy that's been going around on the internet for the last 24
0: hours. Like the Utah guy who would said, you know, that Shador Sanders played at a Juco with his daddy, like that, that clip now has been all over the place. Dion came into the press conference saying I have receipts. He was just Talking s to the reporters that were right there, Cole Dion is going
3: to come dig up. But, but hey. what I would say is, if you if you give me Dion's five and seven, there's still another team that's going to hire him because of that. I you I five and seven, but the Colorado team was lucky to win a game last year.
2: Look at that Colorado schedule, guys. They played four top twenty teams in the Pac twelve, and what is a really good Pac twelve? They're going to drop a lot of ball games. TCU is the biggest fraud in college football. I already said that. And Nick, our producer, makes a great point. His son and Travis Hunter used their free transfer year.
3: Yeah, and you get waivers if your if your coach changes, which that would be the case. So
2: to follow him, though, you think the NCAA is going to let him just because they just follow him around? Um, uh, yeah, no. Neon Sanders will coach a game against Kansas State. You you just told me he would win five games. If he wins
3: five games, someone's going to hire him. <laughs> well, the, the cold. The other the other problem
0: here is that. We don't. Even if he does make it to next year at Colorado, that doesn't necessarily mean he will be on K State's schedule. So I feel like smart money is on smart money well, on indeed my side.
3: Actually, I would say they're definitely going to be on the schedule because they already are as a non-conference game. <laughs> so.
0: Well, but they were going to get rid of that. Okay, all right, whatever. If you get rid of that, I would imagine it just becomes a conference game. Derek and I are right. I think that's the the bottom line here. Okay. <laughs> all right. Who will be speaking of? Uh, Coach Prime's Colorado Buffaloes. Who will be the bigger household name to, we'll say, to the average college football fan? All right. So, not, you know, it's not going to be like Johnny Football where everybody, but in a college football world, who will be the bigger household name by the end of their college career? Dylan Edwards
3: or Avery Johnson? You know, I will say Avery Johnson because of the quarterback kind of thing. But it, it, if you said Dylan Edwards, I wouldn't. You know, fight that too hard because he's going to have the Deion Sanders hype train behind him.
2: Yeah, it's not close. It's Avery.
3: Uh, Dylan Edwards has a nice head start right now. Yeah, the the when you're associated with Deion, you're going to get that kind of hype no matter what. That's the, that's the thing. Like, is no one's really talking about anything in Kansas State's the defending Big Twelve champions. Just won 45-0. Avery Johnson comes in at the end of the game. Looks good. And we're talking about a team that won one game last year. It's because it's Dion and Dylan Edwards will get lumped into that. <laughs> oh, just nothing else. Just Avery. That's it. He, he's kind of like Rico, so he's. I think he's on a
2: crusade to hope that the Deion Sanders experiment fails. Oh, I I actually enjoyed watching Colorado and Deion Sanders on Saturday. I I didn't. I, it was an enjoyable watch. I don't want. I'd like Colorado to be a respectable football program again. So when K State beats them, it'd be fun. I like Boulder. Um, I enjoyed it when Colorado was good. So I, I'd like Dion to stay and make that a fun, fun little rivalry again.
0: I'm gonna say Avery Johnson, but I'm gonna do it cautiously because Dylan Evers is gonna get a lot of run this year, man. I think he's. Get- I think he'll continue to have huge plays because the th- the thing with him is like it's not. I don't know that you're going to get, like, a lot of just, like, consistent production, but, like, when he, he just, he'll pop, like, two a game, and they're going to be huge plays, and people will remember that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, his style is, it's like in baseball, you know I mean? A guy who just is, like, a 300 hitter that's hitting singles and doubles all the time, like, yeah, I mean, okay. But when you're Mark McGuire, and you're slugging 70 omers, even if you're striking out 300 times a season, like, everybody knows you. So...
3: Perfect analogy. Do you do you remember Tony Gwynn or do you remember Barry Bonds? So,
2: big big Tony Gwynn fan right here. So, you know, I take that batting average. (laughs) Uh, I I just, I mean, guys, let's wait till Dylan Edwards goes up against a real defense. All right, let's see what he looks like. Uh, Of course, you could say the same thing about Avery. I mean, it was against Simo, but we can see the talent.
3: That's. I mean, it's uh, all fair. I I'll say Avery because QB usually is the one in the life. Yeah. Uh. Who
0: wins more Big 12 games over the next three years? Joey Maguire, Mike Gundy, or Dave Aranda?
3: Joey Maguire, I think that's probably an easy one for me, I think. You know, maybe Mike Gundy can put up a fight. I'm not sure Dave Aranda lasts three
2: years, so. I'm going to say uh, Joey Maguire as well. So I, I think Texas Tech. I, I I think that loss was kind of fluky at Wyoming. I think they're going to be a solid eight to nine win team with the way that they're recruiting at Tech right now. So yeah, I, I like McGuire here. I don't know what's going to happen with Randa, and I think Mike Gundy's kind of just. I I think he's peaked, and I just don't see that program getting back on the right track. I think you know they're probably seven to eight win type program moving forward. If that.
3: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'll come back again. Mike Gundy's basically like the Bill Snyder 2.0 towards you know. Give me seven, eight wins, and we're good every year. Yeah, we're, we're cool with that. Dave Aranda, don't know if he lost this, all of those three years. And I think Joey McGuire, like I said, I, I think Texas Tech response to that Wyoming loss kind of looks similar to the case they won and slain last year. And I think Joey McGuire's probably a lifer at Texas Tech. I mean, that's a perfect fit for him.
0: Well, the Joey McGuire case is also kind of bolstered by, like, he left Dave Aranda, and then Dave Aranda kind of fell off a cliff. So. Yeah. I, I would go, Joey Maguire, I think, has the highest ceiling. I'm with you, Cole. I feel like Gundy is fading a little bit here, and there may be some diminished returns. I'm almost tempted to go Gundy, just because I do think he'll at least give you a, I think his floor is higher than Joey Maguire's, uh, but I think the ceiling is a lot higher for, for Joey. So even with that loss, I was pretty high on tech in the offseason. I'm not going to completely abandon ship yet. Uh, I'll, I'll say Joey Maguire. Um, better Celebration. RJ Garcia doing the Ronaldo celebration because that's his actual first name is Ronaldo, as we found out. Or uh, Will Howard and Aiden Gillum's shotgunning a beer.
3: Shotgunning a beer. Although I mean, the, the RJ Garcia one looked cool, but man, if you, if you, especially when you play for like Colin Klein and Chris Kleinman, if you sh- do the shotgunning beer celebration, you got some guts to do that, to, and uh, and to be able to shoulder maybe the blowback that you might get.
2: That was so. The celebration was on the same play, right? Because that was the play R.J. scored on. That Will and Gillum did the shotgun. I yeah. was watching the shotgunning the beer. I told John, I was like, see Gillum and Will celebration because we were sitting together, and I didn't see R.J.'s celebration. I who is Ronaldo? Is is that some sort of who is that? You guys help me out. I, don't I can't know. tell if you're you're a sh- in this, it's aren't you? Yeah, this is this is that was not a rapper. I'm not going to justify that question with the response. Is that the rapper? Is he a rapper? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Ask okay. Vanessa. Ask Vanessa. Who? I, is. I feel like she won't know either. Look. <laughs> all right. We won't. We won't talk. Throw shade at my wife for the car ride that we had. A conversation. Uh, couldn't name some things that I thought she should have been able to know. She only. You know, is married to somebody that lives in Breeze K State. All right, well, let me
0: save Cole's marriage with uh, the playoff question (laughs) here. Over under .5 final four appearances for Dabo the rest of his coaching career. So I'm taking into account the extended, the expanded playoff. So I'm going to say he has to make it to the final four, basically the equivalent of the, the old playoff or the current playoff. What I'm basically asking is, will Dabo ever make it again to the final four, setting the overall?
3: Uh, under, uh, the, uh, the new wave of college athletics has caught up to him. Uh, he actually was, you know, pretty against it for a few years, but you can still survive a little bit f- for the leftovers because you had the, the talent necessary. But I, the problem was you can, you, you can add Garrett Riley you're off the coordinator, but you don't have skill position talent. Um, you haven't really bolstered your, def- your coaching staff elsewhere outside of that offense coordinator hire that maybe is not as spectacular as what it appeared on the surface anyway. So I I just I would be shocked if Clemson makes a national semifinal move forward.
2: I don't see it. I, don't, I think Clemson's program being an elite powerhouse is done. Uh, I think the losses of Brent Venables and some of the other assistance that he's had has done him in and not adjusting to the new era of college athletics with the transfer portal and NIL. They've recruited at a great elite level at the high school ranks, but it's not going to work if you don't start working the transfer portal more. Cade Klubnick at quarterback looked awful against Duke on Monday night, and DJU looked awful at Clemson last year, and he's a former five-star guy. And now DJU, I think, is going to flourish at Oregon State, which is going to indicate there's a development coaching problem at Clemson.
3: Yeah, and it's probably Dabo-related because they brought in the offensive coordinator that looked great at TCU last year with Sonny Dykes and have a five-star quarterback but everything looked the same. So what's the common denominator there? It's, it's Dabo probably putting the shackles a bit on Garrett Riley and kid Klubnik.
0: Let me, let me finish this one off with a, an emphatic jam too. look who's coming up, man. Florida state all of a sudden looks like a, a top five program in the country. Like it, it just feels like cha- changing a guard is happening right now in the ACC.
3: North Carolina is probably better than Clemson this year. You know,
0: they've got a better quarterback for sure. Uh lead pipe block of the week time. D.Y. missed last week on the Baylor-Texas State under. And uh, Cole, Cole, I will say, Cole had a bad beat. He had West Virginia plus 20 and a half. I think that was the right side. But uh, Penn State decided to score late. And that caused some controversy because Neil Brown said that he would not have done that uh, late. Mm. Game. And I saw James Franklin fired back with some comments of his own. So yeah, there's been controversy over Cole's loss
2: in, in week one with the lead by block. I don't condone the classlessness uh, james franklin and the penn state nittany lions and i should have factored that into my betting scheme because i forgot how rude it is of james franklin he, he is a guy that does not care like he will run up the score on teams when he has the opportunity i'm not a huge james franklin guy to be honest but uh that's, uh, that's a that's former
0: k-state offensive coordinator james franklin to you yeah yeah
3: we're also going to throw in like coaching comments on if you guys saw with shane beamer when uh right after losing north carolina one of his well he asked for stats when he got to the podium and nobody like was moving to get stats and he said well that's par for the course for this place so uh he was in a bad mood already but then he was like we thought we were going to trick him with an onside kick to open the second half but we were just standing out there and messed and it messed up the timing because the refs were late to the field because they were eating hot dogs so <laughs> Shane Beamer was throwing daggers. Dabo threw a dagger after the game, he, which it doesn't look good because it's ran or lost, but he complained that there was a long walk from the locker room to the
2: field. I thought he would have complained about, I, I'm still confused by the targeting call being a post play on fourth down. Yeah, that was an interesting call. A late a late hit is not a post play, right? So like, if it's fourth down and there's a late hit, it's an automatic first down, I thought.
3: Yeah, but a late hit is... Uh, I guess within I get, maybe it was they called on the crucial dollar group yeah. plan. Yeah. weird anyway. weird weird legislation for sure
0: yeah well, I'd like to remind you all that Oregon State covered easily <laughs> and uh, I am one and zero Well, these two are zero and one and so I give you the lead pipe lock of the week for this week I'm going to call upon my friends at UTSA this is one of those overreaction spots week one UTSA is playing Texas State. Game is at UTSA. Texas State just upset Baylor. Huge letdown spot for them now. After the win that they had last week, UTSA lost to Houston uh in, in a pretty tight game there. Honestly, really nice win for Houston. But I think UTSA is going to bounce back. They'll be at home. They're 12 and a half point favorites. That is a pretty healthy line, but I think they'll win by two or three touchdowns. Texas State letdown spot. They're still breaking in 53 new players, and I know that draws all the headlines like hey, they did what Dion did. And uh, went out there and won a game. Baylor's just a mess. They came out, played great for one game. I think it's going to be hard to keep that rolling for a, a second straight game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play against the overreaction game and take UTSA minus twelve and a half.
3: I got uh, I have UTSA down as well, but I will take it. But I'll just say I have him down as well. well. I looked at it I think a day or two ago. So I got it at minus eleven, by the way. So damn. damn so that's interesting i'll uh, since you have them i'll go a different route i was actually going to be funny do kansas state is my lock but i'll, I'll wait for that as well our uh, middle tennessee plus 20 and a half you know next week is missouri super bowl so maybe looking ahead uh and when Good they play call. middle when they play middle tennessee this week i like middle tennessee plus 20 and a half
2: well you know i got a, I thought you guys were gonna go with a couple of the ones that i might have had i i got a lot that i could go with i mean you guys if you take all these you you You're going to win a lot of money this weekend. Uh, 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 Yeah, just parlay these together, guys. So uh, I'll say uh, Tulane plus seven at home against Ole Miss. Seven-point underdogs. They dominate South Alabama in the season opener. One of my one-unit plays for John was South Alabama plus six and a half, and they got smoked. So glad you didn't get that bet in, John. So give me the green wave to cover the seven at home. You don't walk into Tulane and and beat them or, or, you know, lose by seven or more. So I'll take them, but I would have taken Texas Tech plus six and a half, and I'd take Miami Moneyline at plus 162 at home against Texas A&M plus four and a half too. What is your uh,
3: assessment of the UTSA and Middle Tennessee? picks?
2: Uh, I wasn't really listening to you guys. Uh, you know, give your I, – I think, I think the UTSA rebound pick, I think that's really good by John, and the Middle Tennessee State pick with the, the sandwich game between – you know their season opener in K State and it being Missouri Super Bowl on uh, September 16th. I think that's probably a pretty good assessment as well. So I, I'd, I'd be shocked if we didn't go three and zero, really five and zero if you count all my others. I just gave you guys to lock in.
3: I also like Illinois plus three and a half against KU on Friday. KU wins. I don't think it's by more than a field.
0: Oh, see, I'm on the opposite side. I had that. I had Kansas minus three is one of my kind of secondary that I was debating there.
3: I've Illinois. I
0: that felt like a little bit of a flash in the pan last year, and they lost a lot. I just I don't think Illinois is very good, man. I mean, I would love for them to roll in there and win, but I, I don't think they're very good. You're going, right? I don't know. That depends on if Cole
2: wants me to go. Uh, undecided, I have to check still with Brad to see if my uh, sweet tickets are good to go for the to watch. Uh, right, right, right.
0: Yeah, I also, uh, Tech, I, I kind of like Tech. Uh, Covering against Oregon, although I like it less now that I'm seeing it as six and a half as opposed to seven.
2: Yeah, let it go. It'll go back to seven when uh, somebody will put money on Oregon after seeing they put up 81 points last week. 81 points. All right, your prediction. Who wants to uh,
0: lead us off? With you know, I feel like this is this is Derek's time to shine. Derek needs to lead off the K State Troy prediction here. So uh, hit us with it, Dy.
3: Is Kansas State wearing alternate uniforms? I don't think so. So it was five, they had alternate uniforms on when they played two of those three group of five teams when they lost. That would be Navy and Tulane. Instead, they're wearing that helmet, baby. Kansas State,
2: burning 13. Oh, man, D.Y., I, I have a very similar score. You're uh, giving me crap the uh, whole well, show about loving Kansas
0: State. No, I think this goes on deep, uh, Derek. You got to be more. I needed to be like fifty-two to seven the way that you were talking about 30, Troy.
3: 37-13 is a
2: twenty-four point win when the line was fifteen. I think that's decisive. Well, what was the score, beat John, last time Troy came to Manhattan, Kansas? It was a weird one. It was
0: forty-two to or forty-one to five, I believe, was the final there. They, they fell got behind it. K-State fell behind five to nothing and then scored 41 unanswered in a driving
2: rainstorm. Was that 03? It was 03. Uh L. Roberts Darren Scrolls. Yeah. Got a got a safety? What are we doing? I can't believe that. I forgot forgot about that. I, I think K-State wins this game handily. I uh, I like the offense to look sharp once again, even against a, a good Troy defense. And I look for this defense to create a ton of ha- havoc and pressure. On that Troy offense, forced multiple turnovers. They didn't get a turnover last week. Talked about this. The K State defense forced 24 turnovers last year, which is top 10 in the country. I think they forced multiple turnovers in this game. I think they went in, I'd say 38 to 13 is what I was going to take, DY. So I'm doing the prices right thing to you and just taking one point over. What's Mitch Holtz to say? Put the hammer down. I have another prop. I, I uh, you know, I probably should have done Why do the except ass- for Troy, though. Like, what? <laughs> I mean,
3: I, 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 but I, what I will say is like Cole, like Lee Corso, this
2: entire show, like he was I, just Troy's defense is amazing. But now I think Kansas state's going to score more than D does. I didn't even mean to have this on my desk as I was, I was hanging my backdrop stuff yesterday and I forgot to take it off my desk and no, uh, no. hey, yeah. Steve wins. You're doing it every week. So all right. All right. Well, Cringeworthy stuff there for me.
0: So uh, I just I wish we could save that. Can we, you know, if we could have saved the hammer for Missouri at least, maybe?
2: No,
3: for, for Missouri, we'll use Cole's, uh, what is power cat sign when he did with his hands when he took the picture with Uso?
2: Yeah, I can't wait to show Uso my my wildcat
0: sign again today as we interview. Oh, oh. boy, need to workshop that a little bit. Yeah, make sure that's a little better. Uh, I'm gonna say, uh, thir- I'm pretty much in the same ballpark. I had 3817, 3817, K State wins. I think, you know, pretty competitive game through two, two and a half quarters, and then K-State pulls away a little bit. Kind of my feeling here because I respect Troy. I feel like this this could be a one to maybe
2: two possession game at the half, and then K-State tax on a late score. And here's something that else that's going to happen in this game. Seth Porter is going to block a punt. Our guy Seth Porter is going to block a punt. Special team is going to make a big play. Okay. They got halfway close to blocking one last week. Yep.
1: So All
0: right. I like it. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on three Ma. Make sure that you get your 360 vodka, your Ben holiday bottled and bond bourbon, uh, and your home field apparel gear. Homefieldapparel.com, field three Ma 23 to get 15% off your first order. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash three You can get access to an interview with Wyatt Thompson. We've got a cool player parent interview coming up here as well. Our discord server Brody's picks, all sorts of bonus content there for just five bucks a month. Patreon.com slash three to sign up there. Uh, For Nick Springer, behind the scenes for Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I am John Kurtz. Thanks for listening
1: to another 3Maw. We will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K State or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain, educate, inform KC Sports Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early,